You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Jesus didn't simply preach the love of God. He didn't simply preach the love of God. He proved it by giving his life on the cross. Truth be told, he wants us to do the same thing. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. He wants us to do the same thing. It simply means that as we abide in Christ, we will abide in his love. If we abide in his love, then we must share his love with others. Have you ever thought about how much easier it is to simply preach the love of God instead of actively loving like God does? It's too easy, and pretty ineffective too. In today's message, you'll hear Pastor Dave speak about actively proving God's love by loving others the way God loves us. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapter 4 as he continues his message, Living Love Letters. You are spectators to this great drama of presentation of God's love to the world. We're not going to sit back and just eat bonbons and watch. We're all major players. We're all major players in this drama. We're all major players. And each of us, every one of us in here, every one of us who claims to be born again, who says that Jesus Christ is Lord, who has been born again to a living hope, now has a major part in this drama. And God has a plan for you. You know, As you trace God's relationship with man through the Bible, we can see from the beginning that God fellowship with man in a personal and direct way. Walked in the cool of the day with Adam in the garden. Can you imagine that? Walking in the cool of the day with God. But sin broke that fellowship. It was necessary for God to shed the blood of animals to cover that sin so that Adam and Eve could get back in the fellowship with him. And as you move forward in time... God began to walk with other men. He walked with Enoch. Scripture says he walked with Noah. Scripture says that Abraham walked with God. So we see God walking with man. But after the exodus, after they were freed from Egypt, there was another change in God's relationship to man. God didn't simply walk with man. He lived with man. He dwelt with man. The word in the King James is tabernacled. He tabernacled with man. The glory of God would come down and fill the tabernacle with his presence. Notice that God dwelt in the camp of the Israelites, but he didn't dwell in them personally, but he was with them. The nation Israel sinned greatly against God, and his glory departed from them. But by the grace of God, the nation was once again restored, and he used Samuel, and he used David. And then Solomon built the magnificent temple once again, which we're studying in 2 Chronicles. And God's glory returned, and he came and dwelt in the land. But history repeated itself, didn't it? Israel disobeyed God, and they were taken into captivity. The temple was destroyed, and once again the glory of God departed. We talked about this the Sunday before Christmas, how for 400 years there was silence. God hadn't spoken 
But God broke that silence and his glory again, once again, returned to man, returned to earth as God loved the world. So he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to earth. John wrote about this in John 1, 1 to 4. In the beginning was the word and the word became flesh and all that, that, that information. The glory of God dwelt on earth once again. But man nailed them to a cross. They crucified the Lord of glory. Jesus died. He was buried. But three days later, he rose from the dead. And he now sits at the right hand of God the Father. But he didn't leave us as orphans. We're not left by ourselves. He sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in us. Now we have the glory of God dwelling in us. The glory of God is in you now. God's glory in you. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, it says this, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own, for you were bought with a price, and therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You have the Holy Spirit now dwelling within you. God's glory is now in you. We had to get this understanding so that we can better understand our verses for this morning. We had to get that history lesson within us. The Apostle Paul is talking about demonstrating God's love. And he says in verse 12 of chapter 4, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. God is invisible. No one has seen him in his true essence. But by taking on human flesh, Jesus became, it says in Colossians, the image of the invisible God. Jesus became that. He revealed God perfectly to us. I mean, come on. We studied that in John 14. When Jesus told Philip, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus revealed God to them perfectly. But Jesus is no longer here in the flesh. So how does now God reveal himself to the world? He reveals himself through his children. He reveals himself through you, children of the Most High God. That's how he chooses to reveal himself. He reveals himself through your lives. If we abide in Christ, we will love one another. And our love for one another will reveal God's love to this needy world. And as we experience God's love in us, we express God's love through us outwardly. And people see that and they are drawn to God. When they see that love, this kind of love can't be manufactured. It can't be worked up. I'm going to love them today. Okay, here we go. I'm going to love them. Look around, folks. Look at the times in which we're living. I mean, Paul quoted Timothy when he, when he wrote to Timothy. These are perilous times. Perilous times. We're on the precipice of something huge happening here. Our nation needs a glimpse of God's love. A pure glimpse of God's love. And it's not going to come through a political party. It's not going to come from a political ideology. It's going to come from the church, from those who are born again in Jesus Christ. That's where that love is going to come from. We see so much hatred. So much despicable actions and hatred towards one another. This is so new in my lifetime. I've never seen anything like this. But if you go back in history and you repeat it time and time and time again. So much distrust. 
How can people call for unity after they have distrusted and said despicable things for four years? How do they then call for unity? There is no unity. There won't be any unity except the unity we have in Jesus Christ. It's the only unity that's worthwhile to me. That's the only unity that's worthwhile to me. In this verse, we see the important word, abide. And it's interesting, in these verses this morning, abide is used six times. Six times it is used in these few verses. What does it refer to? It refers to our relationship with Jesus Christ. To abide in him means to remain in a spiritual connection with him. A spiritual oneness with him. Abiding in Christ. Nothing ever separating us. And because we are born of God, we now have this union with God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit. We have this union. But according to what we've studied, this union only happens when we obey his commandments and trust in him. And that's what John has been saying. When we obey his commandments and trust in him. When we're abiding in him, his love is made perfect in us. Perfect love, we're going to find out in a couple of weeks, cast out all fear. Perfect love covers a multitude of sin. The more we abide, the more we love. The greater the love, the more we abide. Do you see the cycle that's going on here? Loving God with all your heart, receiving his love, loving others, getting more of God, more love. It just keeps going around and getting bigger and bigger as God continues to pour his love out upon us. John says in verse 13, he gives us assurance. Remember, one of the things that John wants you to know is assurance, that you have assurance of salvation. He says, by this we know that we abide in him and him in us because he has given us of his spirit. The spirit has been given to you freely. Has been given to you. John tells us that by abiding in him is only made possible by the Holy Spirit. Think about this. I know we throw it around a lot, the Holy Spirit in us, and, and it becomes a word that we kind of throw around sometimes. We have to be careful of that. Think about what has happened in your life. And I hope it's happened in your life. Maybe it hasn't, but maybe it'll happen today. Think about this. If you've accepted Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross, if you declared him Lord and believe that he died for your sins and on the third day God raised him from the dead, if you believed in that and confessed that and confessed your to them, you're born of God, not by, the, by, by man, but by the Holy Spirit. And when you trust in that cross for, sac- for salvation, something happens. The Holy Spirit then comes and lives in you. You realize what a privilege and an honor that is? Do you realize that the third person of the Trinity is in you? Wrap your head around that. God in you. What did Paul say? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Near I say, Christ in you, the only hope of glory. Do you realize what the Old Testament saints would give to have what we have? In the Old Testament days, they had to go into a temple and nobody dared go into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was. They didn't dare go in there. Only the priest could go in there, and he could only go in there once a year, and he better go in there by blood. He better not go in there unprepared, or he's struck dead. Can you imagine that? God has made you the temple. You now house the presence of God. Wrap your head around that, folks. Let that be a true a reality of your life. God in me. Christ in me. God is in you. Think about it. And that spirit in you is demonstrating for you the love of God. 
in your heart. And that love of God is coming towards you in so many different ways. He's made us the temple. We experience his presence within us. And when John wrote his beautiful um, gospel in chapter 14, in verse 23, he says, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. God has made his home in you. Behold, the tabernacle of God is in you. It is in us. Yes, God's love is proclaimed by his word. We read it and we study it. Yes, God's love was proven on the cross. Proven for all to see. But something else has happened. When we experience the love of God and are abiding in him, that love we have is perfected by the Holy Spirit. This is incredible when you think about it. That God, the creator of the universe, would do this so that his love would go forth and touch others. And as I yield to the Holy Spirit, and as I am filled with the Holy Spirit, and as I am baptized by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit will ultimately perfect God's love in my life so that I then can love others. Look at verse 14. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. As we said, the apostles have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son and the Savior of the world. For God so loved the world. You know, what is being said here is that Jesus didn't simply preach the love of God. He didn't simply preach the love of God. He proved it by giving his life on the cross. Truth be told, he wants us to do the same thing. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. He wants us to do the same thing. It simply means that as we abide in Christ, we will abide in his love. If we abide in his love, then we must share his love with others. And the kicker, this is our assurance of abiding in Christ when we love others. So if you're not loving others, maybe you're not abiding. That's what I'm reading here. The Holy Spirit is our assurance. And when this happens, there are benefits. The more we abide in God's love, the more we will grow in the knowledge of him. The more we abide in God's love, the more we will grow in faith. The more we love God, the more we understand the love that is shown to us. And the more we understand his love, the easier it is to trust him. Verses 15 and 16 says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believe the love of that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in him Love, he who abides in love, abides in God, and God in him. This is what the Christian experience with God is all about. As we abide in Christ, and as we spend more time in fellowship with him, we come to know the love of God more and more. This will lead me in my love for others, and brothers and sisters in Christ, for those who are lost, even my enemies. Then as we share the love of God with others, we experience the love of God more and more, and we will understand more and more. It's a great cycle. It keeps going around and around. Receive the love of God. Experience it. Learn of it. And then share it with others, and you will experience more of God's love. Verse 16, John repeats this hugely important three words. God is love. When we say God is love, Again, it's not some profound biblical statement. It's the basis for our relationship. 
It's the basis for our relationship with God and our brothers and sisters in Christ and the relationship for those who are outside. God is love. And, you know, I can never get tired of preaching about it because this is what we are. This is where we are right now. And the nice thing about it is God just didn't love us one time. I loved you once and I'm done. I told you I loved you. And if it changes, I'll tell you. He didn't do that. This is not something that's in the past. This is something that we can experience right now. He will continue to love us. What did Mark read in Jeremiah? He has an everlasting love. God's love is everlasting towards us. His love never fades away. His love never fails. His love is always acceptable to anyone and everyone. All you need to do is turn to him and look to him and come to him. When we experience God's love like this, and we begin to love one another, it no longer becomes a burden. It no longer becomes a commandment. It actually becomes something that we want to do. We want to do that. We want to love one another. Are we going to make mistakes? Yes. Are we going to argue once in a while? Yes. Will we not always get along? No. But that doesn't change the love of God doesn't change the love of God in our hearts for each other. Come on, we're all members of a family. We're all members of an earthly family. You can tell me that you've never argued with your family. We are the family of God. But that love is always going to be there. And we can break through that love by just loving God more and more, fellowshipping with him and loving him. And then he teaches us by his spirit how to love others. How do we apply this? I have three simple ways to apply this. The better we know God's love, the easier it will be to live as a Christian. You know, Bible knowledge is something that we should all strive for. And we always tell you to read your word and get closer to God through reading your word. It should be something we all want to do and we do on a regular basis. It becomes a habit to us. But Bible knowledge alone does not take the place of a personal experience with the love of God. It doesn't take the place. It's an add-on. So we need to know that. We need to experience God's love. And that's what people are waiting for. They're waiting to see God's love with flesh upon it. Secondly, unless we love those that are lost... Our verbal witness is useless. You can tell somebody the gospel until you're blue in the face, but until you show them the love of God, your words just fall on deaf ears. I'm sorry. They need to see that love. Why? It's the main message of the Bible. It's the main message of the gospel. The love was both declared and demonstrated by Jesus Christ himself. We must not only speak of this love, but we must demonstrate this love to others in this crazy world. People need to see and know that you really care. That's what changes lives. That's what changes lives. That's what brings people to Jesus. And thirdly, this is the tough one. Thirdly is the tough one. As you continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, as you continue to allow the Holy Spirit to mold you and to shape you and to conform you into the image of Jesus Christ, as you move forward in God's love, we must experience that love to the point where we can love our enemies. Yeah, you all were quiet on that one, weren't you? Everybody was quiet on that one. Jesus teaching on the Sermon on the Mount said in verse 11 of chapter 5, Blessed are you 
When they revile you and persecute you, and they say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake. He said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Good company. Good company. We need to be different from the world. The world's not afraid to say, I hate you. I hate what you stand for. You're deplorable. I can't stand you. The world's not afraid to say that. Just how shaking would it be if we were to say back, well, I love you with God's love for me. I love you with that love that God loved for me. Can you imagine how they, what are they going to say to that? They're going to give that famous response. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They won't know what to say if their love is real. If the love is real coming from you, and they can sense it if it's real or not. They can sense it. Friends, brothers and sisters, my beloved, had to say that. John has taken us to the very foundation of what Christianity is. John has taken us to the very foundation of Christian love. And you're, not te- you're not hearing me say how easy this is. You need to be connected to the love source. You need to be connected to God and allow him to love in you and through you. You need to be connected to him. John explained the two aspects of Christian love that can't be separated. If we indeed love God with all our hearts, with all our mind, with all our strength, then we will indeed love one another. And if we love one another, our love for God will grow and his love for us will continue to pour out. These are true statements, folks. Read it for yourself in verse 16 and in verse 8. Three words, say them with me. God is love. Three words, God is love. My challenge to you and myself, my challenge to us here at Calvary Chapel, I want us to be living love letters to those in the world, those who are so dead set against us, those who hate us with a passion that's incredible. I want us to be living love letters. And as they read our love letters coming straight from our heart, from the heart of God, in a trueness, in faithfulness, and in boldness by the Holy Spirit, in reality of who we really are, they may come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. They may come and be saved, just like you and I had to come. Just like you and I had to break those chains that were binding us that we couldn't do, but only Jesus could do. Then, then there would be unity. Then there would be peace. Then there would be joy inexpressible. Be a living love letter today, my friends. Because now that you've heard this message, don't be surprised if you're tested the minute you walk out that door. Don't be surprised if you're tested the minute you walk out that door. I want to love like this. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you'll be tested. Trust me. Trust me on this. God loves us with an everlasting love. His love will never fade away. It'll never die. It'll never go anywhere except towards us. Receive it and let him wash you over with his love. And then become a living love letter to someone else. To someone else. And see what God will do. You are You've been listening to a teaching from the book of 1 John with Pastor Dave Shank on A Sure Hope. 
Does your heart tend to ride the turbulent waves of the circumstances you find yourself in? Or are you more of that calm, steady sea that's fairly even and consistent? Well, in this book, John wrote to his readers to grow in their zeal and love for God while refuting those who were teaching false things. There is a steadiness that's encouraged, despite the waves of emotion and turmoil that you may face. Having that steadfast focus on God and His promise of eternal life is what can help your heart be at peace and be calm. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps as you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about what you heard. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. In addition to that, you're welcome to email us at info at capewatchradio.com with any questions, concerns, or prayer requests. Would you rather talk to us in person? Then think about joining us this Sunday for a time of God's Word at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. All you need to know is our website, assurehoperadio.com. Thank you again for taking time to learn from the book of 1 John today. We hope you'll join us again next time on Assure Hope.